Welcome to Think Smart, Feel Smart, Live Smart. I'm V. Vincy, Registered Counselor, Relationship and Family Therapist and Founder of Headquarters Counselling Services. This podcast aims to break down the overwhelm of life and equip you with a toolbox of knowledge, tips and tricks to help you live your best life. This raw, real and unproduced podcast uses audio taken from my weekly live broadcast in the HQCS Community Facebook group. You can find a link to the community in the episode notes. It's free to join. Now let's get started. So our topic, in fact, is a month of guilt. So for those of us that love guilt, I'm going to be excited. Title, we've called it The Good, the Bad and the Guilty. And there's five types of guilt that I have tried to put into a really easy way to understand, okay? Because there's lots of um, lots of descriptions of guilt and there's lots of psycho talk or psych talk associated with guilt, but I really wanted to try and simplify it, okay? So guilt is a feeling people typically have after doing something wrong, intentionally or accidentally. And your sense of guilt is usually related to your moral code. So everyone's moral code is different. But if it attacks your sense of moral code, you're going to have you're going to have this feeling. Now, it's not necessarily bad. Guilt isn't necessarily bad. Sometimes it's actually even productive. Feeling bad after making a mistake can lead to change, such as an apology or a decision to make a different choice in the future. And that's what we want. So sometimes guilt can lead to positive change. A guilty pleasure can describe something um, that's harmless that a person enjoys, even if they feel they shouldn't or are embarrassed about their tasks. But guilt can be unhelpful. And this is when it becomes the problem that we're going to talk about. It can certainly cause physical symptoms in terms of the anxiety and the physiological responses that you get with anxiety. It increases self-doubt and decreases self-esteem and can actually set off the brother or sister of guilt, which is shame. Now, it can be difficult to overcome these feelings, especially in the case of chronic guilt. So what is it? It isn't always easy to understand what guilt is. And in fact, guilt and shame are often confused with each other, but they're quite distinctly different from each other. Shame is something that will form another part of guilt month. So to avoid any confusion, I'm going to leave that one for now and move on. But just know that they are different and we will get to the bottom of shame next, probably, I think it's next week that I've booked it in for. All right. So... Guilt describes a sense of regret or responsibility that relates to actions taken. So people may feel uh, may feel guilty over things that they've actually done wrong, things they believe were their fault, or things they had absolutely no responsibility for. So for example, survivor's guilt. That's when it can affect people who have survived tragedies when many others didn't. Okay, so people tend to only feel guilty over actions they see as bad or wrong. And this is why it's attached to our moral code, because we don't all necessarily see the same things as 
wrong or right. Okay, so you're only going to feel guilty if you see it as bad or wrong. So an example of this is if you are working and you believe that you are entitled to a higher wage and say you start nicking little amounts of money from their boss, you can do that without ever feeling guilty because you think you're entitled to it. Now, does it make it wrong or right? It's not for me to answer. It's whether you feel bad about it. Socially and legally, it will be wrong. But it's how you deem it, okay? So if I sit in the same vein and I go, okay, that person might be stealing money from their boss because they think they deserve it, but the same person can find a wallet and keep the money without making any effort to find the the owner, and they're going to feel guilty for months or even years because if they believed that the right thing to do was to turn the wallet in, then that's why they're going to feel guilty. Okay, so it's a simple um, explanation and comparison, but I think you get it. So you, unless you deem it to be wrong, you're not going to feel guilt. So some people experience chronic guilt. Now, chronic guilt is a really big problem but anything chronic is a problem so chronic stress is a problem it's it's when we have too much of anything and I do have a saying that says too much is as bad as not enough at times so it's our balance okay the problem with chronic guilt is that it leads to feelings of inadequacy all right and this is the type of guilt that can lead to destructive actions instead of positive changes People might also manipulate others with what's known as a guilt trip by using a person's guilty feelings as a tool to get them to do what they want. All right, so someone who feels guilty about something they did might take steps to correct their mistake, apologize or otherwise make amends. And this usually causes feelings of guilt to decrease. However, in the case of chronic guilt, even though an apology has been made and even if it's accepted, the feeling of guilt may continue and basically turns in on that person. And rather than go, I did a bad thing, they start to say, I am a bad person. And this is where guilt can, you know, not be great. So I need to take a little step back into the past to properly explain this. And what I realised last week, surprisingly for the first time, is that these lives are not fluff. You know, they're not just fluff. I know, crazy, right? Well, with that being the case, I can't really introduce big topics and gloss over them. And if you've worked with me privately at any level, you'll know that I don't do fluff anyway, really. So I'm not about to start. But what that means is that I always look at the psych behind something to help you understand why. And we're back to that old chestnut, why? Anywho, the psychology of guilt. So I'm going to go back a little bit to explain it to you. Guilt is a conditioned emotion. In other words, people are conditioned, which means they learn to feel guilty. Certain factors may make us more, uh, no, may make it more likely that a person will experience chronic or excessive guilt. And these factors might include your culture, your family, your religious upbringing. 
If parents consistently make a child feel guilty or consistently withhold praise, for example, the child may come to feel that nothing they do is ever good enough. And this can lead to a guilt complex. All right, so what starts to happen is that the parent's voice that they've grown up with becomes your own internal voice. And that's how we start to internalize and have chronic shame or chronic guilt because we start telling ourselves that we're bad people and this then sets off the domino effect, the low self-esteem, the self-doubt, all the things that go with it. Now, I'm sure there are probably a few nodding heads at this point because we have all either experienced uh, that type of guilt complex or we've done it. Yes, and now I know some of you are shaking your heads. But as a parent, we can use this sneaky little sucker to get things done in our homes. All right, now, this is not a parents are the root of all evil session. But if you recall last week's live, we spoke about growing up in an emotion coaching home or an emotion dismissing home. If you were not spoken to about being responsible for actions, then guilt was used to control. And this is the problem. Okay, it can become a harsh feeling of guilt, the sense of not having lived up to parents' expectations. And no argument can overcome these guilt feelings because at the root of guilt is the idea that you what you feel must be true. So if you feel guilty, you must be guilty. This idea that what you feel must be true links back to one of my earliest lives with regard to distress tolerance. We don't like to sit with uncomfortable feelings, so do we disguise it with guilt and then we believe it. Crazy. Oh, no. Now, it's going to be no surprise to you that people who struggle to overcome feelings of chronic guilt have a much higher risk for depression, anxiety or other mental health concerns. And on the flip side, people who have mental health issues in turn become overwhelmed by guilty feelings and their mental state or related behaviours. So just think about a person with depression who self-isolates and then feels guilty for shutting out their friends but are unable to help doing so. It's just a constant cycle of, oh God, it's awful, perpetuating self-guilt. Yuck. Guilt that relates to past mistakes or failures can set a person up for continued struggles. And guilt can also keep a person from having fulfilling relationships with other people. So it's basically like our self-sabotage or a sabotage tool. Now, it's generally divided into two categories. The first is called maladaptive guilt. So this is the kind of guilt that has a negative impact on life. It often will lead to chronic guilt and other guilt that leads to mental or emotional distress. So let's just keep it simple. It's the guilt that has a negative impact on our life. That's maladaptive guilt. The next one, the next category is adaptive. And this is where I spoke earlier and said, not all guilt needs to be bad. So adaptive guilt is the kind of guilt that's believed to be helpful as it relates to a person's understanding of wrongdoing and responsibility. So what are the common garden varieties of guilt? These are the five common ones that, we, that, are, that we've named to keep it simple. Okay, So we're going to start with the adaptive 
areas of guilt and we're going to work down it's a little bit like shading you know we're going to start with the light color and we're going to end with the dark one the most basic guilt is what is called essential guilt now i didn't make these names up all right but i the source that i used um used helped be see, uh, keep it really really simple for people okay so essential guilt and it normally arises from disobeying commonly recognized codes of behavior so these are also written into the basic laws of civilized society and appear in various forms in all religion murder is wrong stealing is wrong rape is wrong greed is wrong the, the basic survival of the human race depends in large measure upon the guilt felt by those who break these basic constraints of behavior so just think about that we use this as a way of maintaining a herd mentality i suppose in a positive sense but it can also flip and the probably the best example of that was toilet paper gate really that was an example of herd mentality we can understand why it happened because there was fear behind it but an entire nation stocking up on toilet paper was crazy it, it appeared to be crazy and what it did was have a negative impact roll-on effect for everybody else who couldn't access stuff but if you look at it the other way and look at our codes of behavior road rules exist so that we don't have anarchy on our roads and that's why essential guilt is something that we utilize at times and you know if i'm honest there's we're sort of unfortunately we're, we're living in a world where too few people are sufficiently influenced by this kind of guilt at times so we don't have the sense of moral code that we used to is that right or wrong well i don't know it's not my place to judge it but if i ask is it a positive or a negative impact right now it's appearing to be more negative it doesn't mean that that won't change but if we look at it and go it's not, I don't, it doesn't feel positive we've got more people utilizing our jails we've got more people stealing all, all those moral codes okay the second kind of guilt is deserved guilt now this is not nearly as drastic as it sounds and it's not nearly as drastic as the first kind because it's related to the responsibility we have towards others so for example if you were to cheat on your income tax say you're cheating on your income you feel guilty or at least you should feel some level of discomfort if your conscience is working at all so you get that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach when you're enjoying yourself several hours away from home and suddenly you realize you forgot to feed the dog you feel bad so there's a good reason for this kind of guilt if everyone could easily ignore this kind of guilt our infrastructure would be in worse shape than it is because there wouldn't be enough taxes to repair our roads our pets would miss out on more than an infrequent meal in fact smooth running relationships are oiled in part because we know that we'd experience at least an ounce of guilt if we overlooked our obligations to others all right the third kind so i'm still in the adaptive part okay so those two can be absolutely adaptive to how we live our lives um, individually on a bigger scale say even with you know i always talk about 
societal rules in areas you've got individual rules you've got family unit rules you've got local council rules and you can keep going up that's when we need those adaptive kinds of guilt the third one is where we start to transition so there's two parts to this the third kind is called self-generated guilt so examples of this would be the unease caused by such things as self-imposed deadlines, which I'm extremely competent at generating, and the nagging feeling that you should have finished the project you started a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, 10 years ago. There is value to this guilt as well, because consider, for example, what happens if you tell an acquaintance that you will have her over for lunch soon, but then never get around to it. Whether or not you feel guilty and whether or not the guilt is appropriate will depend on the reason you failed to have her over for lunch. And here is where we start to blend from adaptive to maladaptive. So, for example, you may have used let's do lunch to give her the impression that you are friendly, although you didn't really expect to follow through on the cycle. So maybe you offer that type of invitation freely to lots of people without much intention of doing it. Now you've heard that she's hurt because she's taken the lack of a definite date for lunch as an indication that you don't like her, or even worse, that she's unlikable. And you feel a bit guilty, and maybe rightly so, because you deceived her in a way. Does that make sense? You didn't tell it, well, no, great to meet you, and left it at that. We just went, yep, great, let's do lunch. We do it, we do it all the time, okay? So, you might feel guilty about that one. But on the other hand, if you've done the exact same, yep, let's do lunch, and you generally are unable to take the time because of a long, drawn-out problem with your family or at work, even though she's hurt, you do your best to deal with the guilt you may feel in disappointing her simply by giving her a call and explaining when life is easier you will get together in fact you actually have no problems doing that but right now you're busy so there's an element of honesty so self-generated guilt requires you to become conscious of how you got yourself into a guilt producing situation in the first place so taking an honest look through at your role in the situation, where you feel this type of guilt can help you avoid making the same error in the future. And is in essence, it's about taking responsibility. And this is the clincher, because this is what our parents, or us as parents, are trying to teach our kids. So if we go back to the, the home that was using guilt to control the chores getting done, I say good motivation, really shitty delivery all right and at this point you will see how it becomes maladaptive because the emotion dismissing home doesn't talk about emotions therefore it doesn't make you accountable for behaviors it doesn't do it what it does is it uses certain elements of emotion to control so we can use guilt to get things done in a really nice cycle. Oh, come on, love, you can do that for me. And then we can do the whole, you do that, because if you don't, watch out, this is what's going to happen. There's guilt in both of those. But the bottom line is that it can lead a child to believe that what they do is never enough. 
and and that's where our chronic guilt and and it's actually not chronic guilt that starts what it starts is a lower self-esteem which converts as you become an adult into I mustn't be good enough and there is our whole kicker okay now if you are unable to take responsibility for your part in any situation then the guilt will either keep you stuck in the feelings of inadequacy or it will become destructive um, with your actions to justify behavior so we'll probably come back to that one a little bit but like I said anytime there's any time you can ask questions anytime and you can also uh, send me questions at um, by private message so the fourth kind of guilt now we're well and truly into the maladaptive area just in case you were wondering the fourth kind of guilt is borrowed guilt anxiety which ranges from a vague uneasiness to a serious case of the shakes when you don't do something you think you should do simply because you were told probably many years ago that good people didn't do such and such or that no one in your family would ever blah 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 now to get an idea of the creation for this kind of guilt just fill in the blank with anything you've ever done that feels just fine to you and isn't illegal or immoral but which your parents or teachers wouldn't have approved of so it's a fun little exercise when you do it because that's the difference in our moral codes okay the fifth kind of guilt is what i call hindsight guilt now this can be the heaviest guilt of all because it comes from the impossible belief that we should have known how to prevent something or that we had well, no we should have known how to prevent something that we had no way of knowing how to prevent or from the assumption that we should have known how to handle a situation differently when we previously had no opportunity to learn how to handle it any differently and sure we would now know what we've done but that wasn't the case then you know and I often say to people you know we all have a rear view mirror but no one has a bloody crystal ball so hindsight guilt is really really difficult there's a lot of regret and regret people often come to me with regret and they want me to help them go back and change the situation I go oh man the eggs are scrambled I can't unscramble those eggs all we can do is have a look at could you actually have handled it differently and if you could what could you do so guess where I take you straight up to number three which is where you must look at your responsibility in a situation even if you're not to blame for it it's the only way we can take responsibility to have a look at well why am I feeling like that and we sort of evaluate it becomes logical argument did I do something wrong in this situation and evaluate it look at it honestly and if you did can you fix it great off you go if you can't how can I help you reconcile your feelings so that you can live with it now recognizing the difference between the five kind of guilt is really difficult and that's because guilt creating situations give us uncomfortable gut feelings which the body simply identifies as a blanket feeling that we label as guilt therefore a well-deserved guilt sensation can feel an awful lot like borrowed guilt and vice versa the problem is in figuring out what to do so that 
you can deal with what kind of guilt you are experiencing. Now, I want to quickly look at what contributes to guilt. And we're going to do it fairly quickly because it may feel a lot like it's parental fuck-ups at this point when, in fact, there are a number of things that can contribute. So, first one, family. We've, we've already been discussing this. And it's where we generally learn about right and wrong. And that greatly contributes to adaptive guilt. As long as the families can get mostly right, um, you're going to have a, a good sense of ethics and moral codes. It's where it gets a little bit stuffed up and it becomes you're a bad person rather than you've done a really shit thing. Now, culture can contribute. Culture contributes where certain behaviours are seen as wrong, even if that person's own moral code tells them there's nothing wrong with the behaviour and this can lead to maladaptive guilt. So it's not, and, that's, and it starts to be that point where you teach your children your morals. You're teaching your children your moral code. But at the end of the day, they get to a point where they start to grow and they have to assess, do I want that person's moral code? Do I want my parents' moral code? And often the answer is not completely because we're in a different world. I mean, generationally things change. What was great for me was not even heard of in my mother's day. And I can tell you that I'm pretty liberal as a parent, but what... I think is appropriate and what my daughter thinks is appropriate, well, fuck, it's pretty different. And that's just because she's discovering who she is and what she wants and what's important to her. And I can't argue with it. I don't have to always like it, though, and I'm still a parent, but it is what it is. The other big kicker in shaping guilt, I think we all know where this one's heading, religious beliefs and traditions can emphasise guilt more than others. Now, I am not religion bashing and in fact I am a big promoter of faith because I think the ability to believe in something that you can't see is really, really important when life gets bloody tough because it gives you the ability to hold on to the process of, you know what, I'm, we're going to be okay. There's, you can't hang on to anything but you just have an imaginary cord. If you want to call that God or church or whatever, I, I have no problem with it. I don't care what you call it as long as you have a belief in it. The problem is, is that guilt, guilt can often stem from their belief that a divine power knows their action and holds them accountable. So the idea of a guilty conscience or an internal voice that someone tells, uh, someone, tells someone when they've done something wrong is not strictly religious but it's often part of religious traditions. And the biggest difference is when it's used for control. So we'll go back to the earlier discussion about parents. If you use uh, guilt as a form of control, then you've got an issue. Now, because it's not strictly part of religion, I've actually got a separate live coming up on this after Guilt Month that you will definitely want to tune into because it really focuses in on that internal voice. Last one that can contribute greatly is society because society can contribute to guilt and result in worrying about what other people think of you or about certain behaviours or beliefs that you have that are different to others. So in this way, society can have a big impact on a person's sense of guilt. And knowing that other people may see and judge actions can affect a person's choices. So this guilt can be a good thing 
as it supports the social norms or moral rules people generally follow, such as it's wrong to steal or if I hit someone's parked car, I should leave a note with my phone number and name. But on the flip side, it leads to a sense of inadequacy and the search for perfection. If you're constantly wondering and worrying about what other people are going to think. So you get that comparison factor. The effects of guilt. Psychological effects of guilt can be beneficial when they inspire a person to make changes in their behaviour. But other times it can cause distress. You know, one of the big reasons people come to see me is they feel guilty about something. And in a way, for me, that's good because what that's done is it's propelled their sense of, I can't live with this, I need to do something different. The fact that they've come to see me doesn't mean that they're, they're, they're weak or they've stuffed it up and they just have it. It means that they're looking for something different. And anybody who looks for something different that they've never done before will have a different outcome. And that is what makes my job so good because I know that I can help them see where they are and see a different path. And that's the best part of it. Now, oh, hang on, what have I got there? Something wrong, don't worry about that one. Okay, physical symptoms of guilt. They're gonna pretty much look a lot like anxiety because that's what it will feel like in the pit of your stomach. So with unresolved guilt, you might feel irritable and always on edge. People can be overly clingy or overly apologetic. You can find people that apologize all the time. Oh, I'm sorry. And you go, what are you sorry for? Because that's their internal sense of guilt. Their internal voice immediately says if someone responds uh, in not the way they expect, they immediately go, it must be something you've done. You've made a mistake. You've done it wrong. It's that internal voice that keeps going on and on and on. Now, it can also manifest physically. So you might end up with having trouble sleeping or upset stomach, nausea or other digestive issues. You've got some stomach pain, you have muscle tension, head pain, tearfulness. Um, but generally we find that if you address the guilt, you're going to help resolve the symptoms. So how do we get rid of it? It's that old chestnut. Now, it's not the easiest thing to get rid of. But there are a few key things that you can do. <laughs> what I look at is you, you've got to look at guilt. Now, you can do this on your own or you need someone to help you have a look at it. What, do you look, we, what we like to do is go, has this guilt passed the statute of limitations and can it do you any good? All right, because if it's hanging around for so long, you know, if you stole 50 cents from Nana's purse, when you were a kid and you're still hanging on to that, it's serving you no purpose. And this is the thing with guilt. It's, it's not actually an emotion. Guilt, what it does is it triggers an emotion underneath that we cover in this blanket. So I try to take the blanket off and go, but what was the original emotion? And if you felt sad that you stole 50 cents from Nana, then that's what you need to look at. The guilt blanket just keeps you stuck in bullshit is what I say because it gives you nothing. Most emotions have a positive uh, impact somewhere. They, If they're having a negative, it's not generally the emotion that has a negative impact. It's the behavior of what you do with that emotion that will have the negative impact. But if you uh, express your anger, the benefit of that and you do it responsibly is that you feel lighter. If you sit and have a real, if you if, if you 
found yourself holding in tears, there's nothing better than having a good cry. You feel a sense of relief. If you tell someone that you are frightened, you feel a sense of connection and you feel it all of a sudden that you're not on your own. So it, it's a positive. There's always a positive to our negative emotions. We just don't like to look at them. The thing with guilt, because it's not actually emotion, it gives you nothing. Guilt gives you nothing. It is the biggest waste of time and space I've seen. I would much rather deal with anger and sadness than guilt because it just keeps you stuck in a, it's like a, it's like a vortex. You can't get out of it until you do something differently. So first thing, you've got to recognize that some guilt feelings are good for us. So fair, and, and here's the kicker. There are therapists out there, I am not one of them, who focuses on only feeling good. Who knew? That you would like to feel good when you come to see me. I don't want to throw you under the bus, but if there is therapy that focuses on only feeling good, then clients are destined to repeat the same mistakes because they haven't learned the consequences of their actions and they've been absolved of responsibility. Someone once said to me that the role of a therapist is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. I certainly do the second really well. Now, the second one, examine the cause of the self-generated guilt so that you can avoid putting yourself into those situations that might once again create the guilt. You look underneath the emotion, experience the, um, the real feeling and identify that. So go back to the example about the lunch date. What she had to do was own that she was using a throwaway comment of let's do lunch with no intention of doing lunch. She told a lie. It's this that must be owned. It doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong and that you're the worst person on earth other than not to be truthful. But speak the truth and you will resolve your guilt. If that means going to you know, Mary Jo and saying, listen, I'm really sorry, it was a throwaway comment, it's got nothing to do with you, um, that's fine, it will resolve your guilt. If you don't want to do that, but you need to go, shit, but you know what? Jeez, I, I, it wasn't nice to do that. And what I'll do is make sure that I don't use that throwaway comment again. That's fine too. You don't have to go and apologize to anyone. You have to live with your decisions. That's it. Now, three, to help clear your conscience and clean up any misunderstandings, acknowledge to others that you've made a mistake. Now, I sort of counteracted that, but you don't have to do that because when I do, you know, there's a lot of people that have regrets about what they didn't say to someone before they died. And if the if you had to go and, if the only way you could clear a conscience or misunderstanding or fix something was by going to that person, then people who in grief would be destined to be grieving forever. It doesn't have to do that. If you have the ability to clear your conscience for with small things, it's about accountability and responsibility to go to that person and own it. It doesn't have to be done that way, but it must be looked at. You have to look at what did I do and was I an asshole? And if I was, how am I going to make sure I don't do it again? Because that's the problem with feeling good all the time. 
Now the last one, finally, you've got to forgive yourself. So learning how to do that isn't nearly as difficult as you may have imagined. And once you've practiced it a few times, it's one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself. So how do you practice forgiveness? We're going back to self-care, that old chestnut. When we feel guilty about looking after ourselves, it is simply a guilt theory being applied to all the other elements of your life. So if we look at it as a theory and we go, okay, what's the new theory? And if we learn the new theory and we can then apply it to one part of our life, then we will know how to apply it to the others, which is why I've focused on self-care because so many women feel guilty about looking after themselves. And this, and often women say, why do I feel guilty all the time? I think, well, because you don't look after yourself because you feel guilty about looking after yourself. You learn how to look after yourself without the guilt complex. You will remove it from the other areas simply because you will take responsibility for what you need to do. It's a great technique. I love it. Now, this is a big session. So the handout will be the five types of guilt. So it can help you identify where you are if you are experiencing guilt. Remember, this only applies if it's maladaptive guilt. Sometimes guilt is there to make us feel uncomfortable so that we start making positive changes. Use the emotion wheel that we had from last session to look underneath the guilt blanket and label your emotion so that you know how to deal with it. Use the meta moment concept. So that is essentially the challenge. It's not really about adding on. It's, it's about putting it all together now because pretty much what we've talked about from day one probably has led to this point about, well, hang on, if I feel guilty about that, what am I going to do about every other element of my life? So start having a look underneath. Guilt's a big one. What you'll find is that you will be able to differentiate and go, oh, you know what, I needed that guilt. I needed to bloody know that I was a bit of a twat and not fair call. It's the maladaptive stuff. Now, when you get to that, and this might help you look underneath of it and understand it a little bit more. If you don't, then you need to give someone a call. If that's me, great, we make an appointment. If you've got a therapist or somebody that you use already, give them a call because sometimes it takes a little bit of a technique to help someone see a situation differently, all right? So there is a little bit of a skill involved to doing that. So if anything comes up and you get a little bit, uh, oh, shit, hang on. If you start to feel guilty, call me. Love it. Guilt's a shit thing. Honestly, it is. It's a, such a shit feeling, even when you are looking at it in terms of adaptiveness. So with adaptive terms, it's just a way of saying, you deserve that. You shouldn't have been a twat. But you know what? It still doesn't feel good. Guilt's not meant to feel good. What guilt's meant to do is be a fleeting passing moment to say, hang on, pull your head in, have a look at what you did rather than pull it on like a, an invisible Harry Potter blanket and live with it. The faith bit, absolutely. Yeah, I don't ever, ever question anybody's religion or faith. Um, I just look at how has that faith um, left them with their choices because if they've got an internal conflict and their faith is a part of that, it becomes really hard because – 
you don't want to rip somebody's faith away from who they are because they've attached it to their identity. But but religion is not your identity. It's not who you are. It doesn't make you who you are. Uh, our choices make us who we are. When we, our parents were pretty good on the uh, control with guilt factor, and especially if you add in certain parenting, certain cultures, certain religions, I mean, you've got the gamut there. It's like the trifecta. If you look at that, my, I mean, my parents would control out of guilt, a lot of them. What we're finding is that if you haven't changed your style and you then go and try and parent your children with guilt, the new generation are much more emotionally um, mature. They've got a much higher EQ, which is the emotional quotient, not rather than their IQ because their IQ is just as high, but their, their EQ, their heart voice, is much higher and they don't fall for the guilt like we did. So if they are feeling guilty, then you'd have to question, well, should they be? Should they be feeling guilty at times? So then I would be looking at that. If they don't, um, because really you can't make them feel guilty. They, they do it because they've, you know, not, um, they've done something or they've internalised, which is an old story. If their old story is something that you may have contributed to, you still can't fix it, hun, because they've got to do it themselves. They've got to do it themselves. What you need to do is fix how you feel about it. Have a go with looking at this guilt. Is it adaptive or maladaptive? And have a look under it. Because remember, underneath guilt is a feeling. And if that feeling is related to parenting choices that you could have, should have, would have done differently, well, then you're dealing with regret. And so you've got to go... Um, what do, what, what do I regret about that and how has it made me feel? Because I would imagine that underneath that guilt is probably a bit of sadness. Maybe a bit of sadness, so you have to look at that. You know, have a look at that and, and really work through, well, what do I feel sad about? Because, you know, I've often said to parents, it'd be good if we spat out a handbook instead of a placenta because then we'd all know what to bloody do, but we don't. So you're trying to unscramble some scrambled eggs there that the, the eggs are scrambled, man. What I do with scrambled eggs for people is say, can't unscramble them, but let's add some cheese and some bits and turn this into a bloody great omelette that you're going to look back on and go, yeah, it started shit, but we got there in the end. All right. Great session. Oh, I feel like I had a session too. Love it. Okay. Uh, any questions, send them through PM because it's getting a bit later and I don't want to keep you on for too long. Otherwise, great to chat with you and I will be back next week with part two of Guilty Month. See ya!